0: we're standing in front of my closet it contains an amalgam of things some of it consciously chosen other things maybe pieces i'm not so proud of but let's let's look at this these are my favorite pair of pants for example i've been wearing them for the last i don't know five seven years and they're basically worn to shreds right now so i'm in desperate need of a new pair but if i look at the tag they're from a brand that's probably not that ethical or sustainable while the pants i'm wearing they cost about six times as much consciously chosen from an ethical brand let's not name names but i'm really not that happy with them Because they're already showing signs of wear after just a few washes. So it's not at all what I expect from a piece of clothing in that price range. So this leaves me with a dilemma. I'm in the market for a new pair of pants, as I told you. But I don't want to have this conversation again in a year. While I do want to make sustainable choices, I really don't know where to start. All I know is that I can do better.
1: This is Tomorrow People,
0: a show about building a better tomorrow today. I'm Leonard, And my name's May. The fashion industry as a whole is not exactly clean. It's one of the most resource-intensive industries in the world, both in terms of natural resources and human resources. So there's the environmental impact and there's the unethical working circumstances for a considerable part of the workforce. Sadly, today marks the sixth anniversary of the Rana Plaza factory collapse in Bangladesh, which killed more than a thousand people and injured many more on April 24th of 2013.
1: There are bright spots on the map, however. To guide us through the labyrinth of forward fashion, we gave Cherie Berkner a call.
2: I'm Cherie Berkner. I'm a freelance photographer and the founder of Sustainable Fashion Matters.
1: Cherie, a German-American based in Berlin really grew up in fashion.
2: And I've been in the fashion industry since I was a teenager. I used to work as a model and sometimes I'd uh, help in sales during fashion week.
1: And you know, she had big dreams.
2: What I just wanted was to walk down the street and then see someone wearing something I had designed and I thought that would be the most amazing feeling.
1: So she went on to study fashion design and pretty soon...
2: I had a job offer as creative director for a company I had been working with for a few years, uh,
1: which was a fast fashion company. Fast fashion is a term often used to describe the large retailers of uh, mass-produced, inexpensive and often inferior quality clothing, released in multiple collections every year. You know, the typical stores you can find in every city. It was a great experience, she says, but gradually she came to see the less pretty side of it all.
2: And one time, we had all these boxes piling up with all all the pieces that had small flaws. And I was trying to find places where we could donate it to. Nobody wanted them because, you know, most people, if they're in need of clothes, they don't need a pair of skinny jeans. What they need is a warm coat or warm socks, something like that.
1: The frustration grew and the last straw came at an unexpected moment.
2: Actually, I was on a date with someone, and I said something—I don't even remember what—and then, like on a side note, he was like, "Ashley, you're just a good person." And in that moment, I was just—I started questioning myself. Essentially, I came to realize that my actions did not at all fit my values. And then I went on on Greenpeace and just cried my eyes out all day. Essentially, um, realizing what I was was doing uh, in the fashion industry. It was like someone was holding my mouth shut. And then just, I quit right away, so,
1: yeah. She had always been into photography, so she decided to pick that up again.
2: I decided to take portraits of people who are making a difference in the fashion industry. Because I thought, you know, these are the people I really want to be working with. People who share my values. And that's kind of how Sustainable Fashion matters started.
1: What began as a handful of portraits and interviews of eco-fashion influencers quickly grew into what it is today. A whole website filled with uh, useful information and a network of people and brands within Sustainable Fashion. Of course, it all starts with the question, what is Sustainable Fashion?
2: You know, I always say there's no such thing as 100% sustainable fashion, but there's always a more sustainable way of doing things. There's two ways to view it. You can see what is a sustainable fashion brand and what is a sustainable consumer. Because Just because a brand produces uh, fair trade organic cotton pieces, if I buy a new one of those every week, that's not a sustainable consumer behavior. So if I
0: understand this correctly, what Cherie's saying is that I shouldn't feel guilty about purchasing that cheap pair of pants. Granted, they were hardly my most sustainable piece in the wardrobe, but in the end, using them for years beats buying a sustainable piece and only wearing it 10 times.
1: Exactly. There's an alternative to fast fashion. They call it, surprise surprise, slow fashion. But it encompasses much more than just the production of garments. For us as a consumer, that could mean only buying what you really need or want. So when you go out to buy that new pair of pants, May, ask yourself.
2: How often am I gonna wear this piece? Will I still like this in a few years or is this super on trend right now and I might not like it anymore? How's the quality? The is really good. I think it's important that everyone goes as far as it is comfortable for them because, you know, one small step is so much better than no step at all.
1: Once you've taken care of the principle of not buying more than you need, you can start looking for pieces that were produced under fair circumstances, or manufactured locally, uh, clothing that is vegan, or recycled, etc. There are also dozens of certifications and labels, but it's tricky to figure out what they all mean. So if you want to dive deeper into this topic, Cherie's website can get you started. We'll link it on tomorrowpeople.today.
0: You know, one of my biggest issues with sustainable fashion is that although a wide range of styles and sizes is already available now, it takes quite some effort to find them, and they remain remarkably more expensive. I am however willing to pay more to get a quality piece, but frankly, it's a little discouraging sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm afraid that's the trap of supply and demand. While we're waiting for the economies of scale to kick in, there are alternatives. It's like Cherie says…
2: Consumers have great power because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are buying these products. And if there's no buyer, then they're not going to be made. I always say, if you don't have a budget, go secondhand shopping. Uh, and if you're not in a, in a big city where they have huge selections of all kinds of secondhand shops, there's so many online platforms where you can buy cool second hand pieces
0: Secondhand shopping is definitely a way for consumers to give garments a second or even third life. But sometimes the textile industry produces fabrics that never even make it into a product or garment in the first place. These prototypes, tests, sometimes leftovers, usually end up burned, shredded or just on a landfill. Unless someone cares enough to save them. Hey, hello. On a frigid and grey morning, we visited Soraya Wancourt at her home.
3: My name is Soraya Wancourt. I'm a, a fashion designer. Do you hear that hesitation in her voice? Even
0: though Soraya got a professional training in textile design at the renowned art school of La Cambre in Brussels, she feels a little uncomfortable with the whole fashion world. Fashion nowadays has this show image... You know, fancy haute couture spectacles on one hand and cheap, exploitative, fast fashion
3: on the other hand. That's not the way to go for me uh, in fashion. I think as entrepreneurs in general, we have to be more conscious and more um, responsible when it comes to the impact we make. On the other hand, I want to be a fashion designer, really spotting these opportunities and creating a business model, which is accordingly to the needs of uh, people and planet today. She formed these values and principles as a teenager, when she was infatuated with second-hand clothes. Every week, I went to the local thrift shop to check the new items, because... I was very fond of clothing and I really liked to dig in and to create a style. I had the age where that was kind of important. But instead of the big brands, I just wanted to search my own thing. It was there that she noticed. People throw away so much clothing. This this shop is filled with so much and every week there's new things. That's crazy if you think about it. And... Also, I felt this love for material, so I wanted to keep things in loop very quickly. After
0: her studies, Studio Ama was born. It's the company where Soraya wants to fully implement her philosophy in three distinct ways. There's the ecological aspects, so the clothes are made exclusively from discarded textiles. Secondly, there's a social aspect to the production. Everything is made locally in sheltered workshops. And finally, she only sells directly to consumers at fair prices. To get a feel for the materials she works with, we went up the stairs to have a look in her atelier.
3: So I I live and work here. So I always have uh, the newest... Um, ...materials that I work with, like this, for instance... uh, There were boxes
0: and bags and more boxes, all filled with scraps of salvaged textiles.
3: I'm also working on um, flex prototypes. Mm. And the linen, the mattress cover, and then the um, elastics and the others. Mm So every item you sell goes through your own hands, finally, yeah, at the end? Yeah. 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 I'm always um, doing the embroideries myself. I hope that one day I don't have to do it myself anymore. So I'll put this on. It makes really funny noises.
0: Um, sweaters from mattress fabric covers. Uh, You've made bags from materials that would be discarded otherwise. Where do you find those materials?
3: How do you source them? Um, Here we live in an area where there is a very rich history of textiles. Even today, there is a lot of textile industry. And basically what I'm doing is I look them up. I call them, I explain them what I'm doing, and I ask them if I can check their containers before the fabrics are just, before they get discarded. So you basically go dumpster diving with the fabric industry. Mm -hmm. How
0: do they react to that? Do they say, oh, just take whatever you want, or are they really interested in what you're going to do with it?
3: It's difficult for me to gain their trust. Um, I really explain them that I want to make sustainable fashion out of their trash. And I show them what I make. And they are interested at a certain level what I'm doing with this. But I think they don't fully see the opportunities that I'm giving to them.
0: Opportunities like showing their customers how they're turning the inevitable waste into new products. In a world where awareness of sustainability is growing and increasingly guiding consumers' choices, a story
3: like this could be a great market advantage. That's a goal for me in this textile industry, to really make them think twice about capacities of their stuff.
0: Which is why Ama is more than just a company that produces and sells clothes. In her ethical fashion lab, Soraya offers workshops, shares her knowledge
3: and informs consumers as well as the industry. In general, a consumer is rather lazy and they expect from the industry to come up with the bright ideas and to be responsible for consumers, to take a responsibility for consumers about their impact. But that means that as an entrepreneur, as a business, you have to be super, super transparent about what you're doing
0: for instance, by informing potential buyers about the origins of the fabric, how and where they were processed, what they're doing to minimize their footprint, etc. There should be a dialogue between consumers
3: and brands. And if we're able to really let them talk to each other, what I am trying to do, then we can reach so much more
1: After the break we'll meet another brand that has a wonderful story to tell
0: if you like what you're hearing here on tomorrow people why not post about it on social media or tell your friends and family if they're new to podcasts we have a page up on our website that explains how it all works and how to subscribe you can find it on tomorrowpeople.today
1: another great way you can support us is by leaving a rating and review For example, on Apple Podcasts. It all helps to spread the stories of the Tomorrow People. A big part of sustainable fashion is innovation in materials. Doing research for this episode, we came across many wild and wonderful textiles. There's leocell made from wood pulp, alginate and sea cell harvested from seaweed, Pinyatex, a leather alternative made from the leaves of pineapples. There's muskin made from mushrooms and many many more. Like this one. Okay, we're now in the kitchen, making orange juice. You know, when juicing oranges, you end up with a lot of waste every time. We just throw it in the compost, of course, but do you ever wonder what they do with this waste, this byproduct, on an industrial scale?
4: More than half of the weight of a fresh orange after it's juiced is basically a byproduct.
1: Meet Enrica Arena. She's the co-founder and CMO of Orange Fiber, a company from Catania, a vibrant historic city at the foot of the Etna volcano on the Italian island of Sicily.
4: Sicily is traditionally a land where oranges are grown and consumed and squeezed.
1: Every year, more than 700,000 tons of pastazzo are produced. That's what the Italians call the citrus waste. Disposing of it is an expensive process, even prompting a few companies to illegal dumping. But about seven years ago, Enrica and co-founder Adriana Santanocito had an idea.
4: Adriana, who was, was studying a fashion design back then in Milan, we were flatmates. She imagined that she could create a fabric from oranges.
1: It didn't take long before they arrived at the pastazzo and came up with a chemical process.
4: To basically extract the cellulose that can be spun and transformed into fabric.
1: Cellulose is a molecule and a key component of the cells in plants. It is what makes their stems, their leaves, their branches so strong. So things like wood, paper, cotton and other fibers are all bound together by long chains of cellulose. Adriana and Enrica discovered a way to separate the cellulose from the citrus waste, purify it and spin it into a yarn. So they got a patent for it.
4: Back then, the idea was, okay. let's just sell the patent. Then we found basically that everybody was looking to see a prototype first. So uh, the only chance to see this happening was to make it by ourselves.
1: The result is a very soft fabric that is very similar to silk in terms of look and feel, but they can also combine it.
4: From the yarn, which is 100% oranges, we can weed it in blend with other materials.
1: Other materials like cotton or elastane, depending on the needs. Using the existing infrastructure of the Italian textile industry, they ramped up production and found their first clients. It was a lot of hard work with ups and downs, but Orange Fiber is a thriving company now. It's notable that all aspects of the production happen in Europe.
4: It's very, very important because we want to have an impact not just on the environment, but also giving new opportunities and new life to existing supply chain that maybe are looking for innovation and can benefit from our invention.
1: Orange fiber is a high-end fabric which is reflected in its price. Do you think that the prices will go down if the demand picks up?
4: For sure, I mean, we can't compete with processes that have been there for hundreds of years and have economies of scale and big batches of production. I think uh, on the long run, this can change. But I also think there's something good in keeping the price point where... Uh, You are encouraged to taking care of your garments because you attach a higher value to them, whether that's because of sustainability, whether that's because of quality, but whether that's also because of the price tag that was attached.
0: I saw that orange fiber was one of the fabrics used in a new collection by H&M. Did you ask her how she preserves her sustainable ethics while collaborating with such a global fast fashion retailer?
1: Well, the Swedish multinational does do a lot of research and development into sustainable clothing, and they have their conscious collection. But yes, critics say that it's just a small drop in the bucket. They call it greenwashing, a sort of marketing spin to give your company an image that is more environmentally friendly than it actually is. I did ask Enrica about her take on greenwashing.
4: I think everybody is looking for the balance between keeping their business alive but still uh, being mindful about sustainable alternatives We just can't think that them or any other brand wake up one day and 100% of their production is sustainable. We can't ignore the fact that brands have been around with their products for years. So it's really a process that will take years.
1: So it's better to take small steps and change the system from within.
4: I definitely think so.
0: There's no shortage of good ideas and forward-thinking entrepreneurs in the fashion world, each with their own approach. Some use the current establishment to make changes from within, while others try
3: to emerge from the fringes. Whatever the approach, it's not easy. I'm not there yet. Certainly when we're talking about how I can make a living for myself, we're not there yet. If we want to minimize the impact of the
0: fashion industry on our planet, we cannot just expect the consumers to reduce, reuse and recycle, nor just blame the industry for their practices. It's clear that we'll need
2: support from all sides. You need to have the government doing stuff, you need to have consumer interests, you need to have brands focusing on it, you need to have brands that are showing, hey, it's actually possible to produce a sweater using less than 10% of the amount of water that a regular sweater would cost.
0: Now, about that pair of pants I need. I'm glad to hear I'm not solely responsible for its footprint. But I can make a difference. Getting to know the story behind the brands I buy, or looking into the materials. And who knows, I might just pass by the thrift shop on my way.
1: This episode of Tomorrow People was produced, hosted, edited and scored by Leonard Schoors and produced and hosted by Mae van Walgen. Additional music by Lee Rosevear. Many thanks to our guests Cherie Bergner, Soraya Wankoer and Enrica Arena. Additional thanks to M. Mendoza and Helene Klopper.
0: You can visit our website at tomorrowpeople.today. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram for previews and behind-the-scenes shots. And if you like the show, tell your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us spread the stories of the tomorrow people. We'll be back in two weeks from Rotterdam rooftops turning agriculture on its head.